please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll be reading the, the whole chapter. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are, who sometimes were, were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, And to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitting framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are building, builded together for habitation of God through the Spirit. Beloved, we were dead in trespasses and sins, but now we have been made alive through our lively and spiritual union in Christ. And beloved, though we walked according to the course of this world and were disobedient, Now we have been made accepted through that perfect obedience of Christ. And even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace 
ye are saved, beloved. Though in our experience, as far as we were concerned, we were doomed. But now God has made us to know that we have been delivered by his grace. By grace we are saved through that faith that is not of ourselves, the faith of Christ that saves, that justifies us. He is our all in all. I pray the Holy Spirit will enable me to once again hold forth to your view the persons and glories of our Lord Jesus Christ. Examining this latter part of Ephesians chapter 2. There, God's people are called to remember three things. Three things. Remember that ye were without Christ. That in the experience of God's people, we were lost without Christ. Remember that ye are now in Christ. That in the experience of God's people, we have been made to know that we have been found because we have always been loved in Christ. Remember what our Lord said? He came to seek and uh, uh, save that which was lost. And he's going to find all of us, beloved. (laughs) He's going to find all of us. And thirdly, remember that ye are now reconciled to God. That through the sacrifice of himself on the cross, we were far off. But now, beloved, we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Christ has purged the sins both of Jew and Gentile and made them one with himself. There are three words that may serve to help you follow what the Apostle by the Holy Spirit has laid out for us this morning. To you who now believe on Christ, remember you were once ruined. Remember that you are now redeemed. Remember you are reconciled. Remember you were without Christ. Now what is it to be without Christ? In one word, ruined. Now what does that mean? It means much more than broken. You see, when I have something that is broken, I still have a hope maybe I can fix it. God's people have been made to see that without Christ, they were ruined with no hope of any self-remedy. In verse 11 we read, Remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is what it is to be ruined, beloved, to have no hope. No hope. We're not sick by nature. We're dead in trespasses and in sins. And here the Holy Spirit calls us to remember to you who believe ye were in time past without Christ. Turn over with me to Isaiah chapter 51. Verse 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Keep that in your remembrance, remembrance, beloved. 
the rock whence you were hewn, and the hole of the pit whence you were digged. The tomb of unbelief, from that tomb of unbelief you were brought forth. Turn with me to John chapter 11. By nature, all of us are born into this world, dead to God, dead to Christ, dead to his word. We are in a tomb of unbelief, and Christ must cross our path for us to believe. We must hear him call, and it is an effectual call. Verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he has thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary, and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Beloved, remember your former ruined and undone state. Without Christ, there was no hope, absolutely none. But praise the Lord for your everlastingly blessed and secure state in Christ although you did not know it at the time. (laughs) You know, sometimes God's people get anxious about when they were saved. I like the testimony that the Holy Spirit preserves of our brother Paul. If we were to ask our brother Paul, when when were you saved, Paul? He'd answer, truthfully, when it pleased the Lord. (laughs) And if we turn further to the other epistles that he wrote, as all God's people are taught, we have been saved and called from before the foundation of the world. It is to say, before there was ever a man in the world, before Adam ever sinned, before the, the forming of this world, God has purposed to save his people. In the eternal covenant of grace between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God has purposed to save his people. In First Timothy, oh, this, although this, this is not in my notes, I love this verse. <laughs> It's worth hearing again and again how rare it is to find uh, an assembly where there's a church sign out on the outside where they actually believe this verse. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, we read, knowing, uh, sorry, uh, uh, I misspoke, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, we read, God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. What a blessing it is for God's people to trace back when they were saved to before the foundation of the world. To not look to some, as what is seen in the religion of the flesh, some people take great comfort that they raised their hand in a meeting, or they came before... Uh, the, the pulpit and they repeated some prayer. All God's people rejoice in the gospel 
that teaches us by his undeserved grace that God's people are born from above, not by blood, not because your mom and dad are believers that you believe, not by the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. God has purposed to save his people. And we're called here in our portion to remember that there was a time when we, in our experience, thought that our doom was sure. But blessed be the Lord, even though you are deserving of his wrath, beloved, even though I am deserving of his wrath, in Christ you have been saved with an everlasting salvation because he has loved you with an everlasting love. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Yea, I have loved you before the foundation of the world. I have purposed to save you and redeem you through my Son. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. It's remarkable when you see in the religion of the world, you'll hear people making threatenings. And sure it is that the Lord gives us wisdom to have a fear for the Lord. But it is remarkable that we read in God's word that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance, (laughs) not his wrath. That's why we read in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, with loving kindness I have drawn thee. Beloved, we are not the children of the devil, but the children of God, and he hath drawn us with loving kindness, not wrath. And if you turn over with me to Galatians, if you've not seen this before, or perhaps you've seen this verse before, but I pray the Lord will teach you that this verse is speaking of God's particular people. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. This is why the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, a love for Christ and a love for his people. It's remarkable. I never tire of reading (laughs) the because here. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, we read, Because ye are sons, when? From before the foundation of the world, God has purposed to save his children. Now, now you'll hear people say that are not taught of the Lord. They will say that we're all God's children. That's not true. That is not true. If you heard someone tell you that, that's a lie. Our dear Lord, our Redeemer, declared those Pharisees. He told them plainly, you are of your father, the devil. Now, we must remember who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is the one whose eyes are aflame with fire. He knows the beginning from the end. And when he declares of these pretending hypocrites that they are children of the devil, that's exactly what they are. But blessed be the Lord amongst the descendants of Adam. He has a people. He has a particular people, his children. And because they are his children, God sends forth the spirit of his son into their hearts, crying, Abba, Father, through the preaching of the gospel, through the preaching of who he is, what he did and what he continues to do, it pleases God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And beloved, I know for you, the preaching of the gospel is not foolishness. (laughs) It's not foolishness. It's the power of God unto salvation. But those who perish, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. We have received the gift of the Spirit and cry, Abba, Father, because we have always been his children. Not in our experience, but in the eternal covenant of grace. In our experience, we were ruined. And as we continue to be reminded day by day, we get to see more and more of that, 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 that ruin. But we have nothing in our flesh to commend ourselves to God. In our flesh, no good thing dwells. 
But praise the Lord, in the covenant of grace, we have been redeemed according to His own purpose and grace given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Turn back to Ephesians with me, please. Chapter 2. Now we're called to remember that we were without Christ, ruined. And now, as we look at our portion here, in verse 13, Ephesians chapter 2, we see, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partitioned between us. To be in Christ, what is it, beloved? I've already said what it is to be outside of Christ in one word, ruined. But what is it to be in Christ? It means to be, in one word, redeemed. Now what does that mean? It means that we have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, we are His purchased possession. In Ephesians chapter 1, you'll read that expression. That's exactly what we are. His purchased possession. We have been made nigh, beloved, by the blood of Christ. Verse 13, we read, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Your redemption. Trace it to its source, beloved, and thank Him for His unspeakable gift of salvation. Salvation is conditioned on God's will <laughs> in the covenant of grace. It's not conditioned on the creature. You know, there's, there's only two ways. I mean, you, you prob- some of you may have heard the term limited atonement. That's another way of saying particular redemption. That God had a people that he wanted particularly to be saved. And there's only two ways to, to limit his atonement. And one way is, is another gospel, it's not the truth. It's to limit it to the creature. Limit it to his accepting or not accepting the gospel. And that's not true, beloved. The gospel is conditioned on God's purpose and grace given us in, in Christ Jesus before the world began. It is not conditioned on the creature. <laughs> it's conditioned on our beloved creator, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has made you to know all that your salvation is unmerited. And for those of you here who, who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that He has made you to know that. But has He made you to know that salvation is unmerited, friend? Has He made you to know that, that your salvation was unlooked for? How could you look for it? You were dead in trespasses and in sins. Apart from His quickening spirit, you would never have sought Him. Apart from His grace, you would never have looked for His salvation. In Ephesians 2.5, we read, By grace ye are saved. Can you see how it was and is by the free, unmerited, unlooked for love of God? That from eternity He put you in Christ and has made you to now know in your experience that you are made nigh by the precious blood of Christ. Beloved, by grace ye are saved and His faith is our peace. Verse 14, we read, He is our peace. God give you grace to just rest on that. To 
to stay there. Don't go away from it. <laughs> How easy it is for us to look away from him and look to ourselves. The gospel, the faithful minister of the gospel, declares, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Our peace is him, beloved, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He's talking about the elect amongst the Jews and the elect amongst the Gentiles, that he has one beloved people, one particular people. He calls them his sheep. <laughs> he calls them his vessels of mercy. And can you hear what the blessed teaching of the Holy Spirit is here? He is our peace, beloved, and is the author and finisher of it. Turn with me to Isaiah's Gospel, chapter 54. I didn't say that by accident. <laughs> I said that on purpose. There's so much gospel in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13, we read, All thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. And towards the end of verse 17, we understand what is the reason for this peace, this peace that is a perfect peace. It says here that this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. What peace it is when the Lord declares that to your spirit, that your righteousness is of me. It's one thing for someone to say, oh, Christ is my righteousness. Quite another, beloved, when the Lord condescends to give comfort to his people. And we need this comfort moment by moment. His declaration of all his heritage is this. Their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And look over here with me to Isaiah chapter 26. When the translation of God's word was written into English, the translators really didn't know what to do with this verse 3 it says here thou will keep him in perfect peace I don't know what to do it, it actually says in the original language peace peace <laughs> human language is not adequate to describe this peace it goes beyond our ability to understand it peace peace whose mind is stayed on thee he is our peace beloved Because he, we, we trust Him for all of our salvation. All of it. Beloved, He is our peace and hath made our peace. Look at verse 15. Having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in Himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Christ is our substitute before our holy God. He is the man that is accepted of the Father. The voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. What a, what a gospel it is, beloved. Everything we need to be made accepted before a holy God, He has made provision, not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. When you hear... That famous verse from John's Gospel, John 3.16, For God so loved the world. John, the writer there, is just making sure 
that his Gentile brethren know it wasn't just for God's chosen people amongst the Jews, <laughs> but his chosen people amongst the Gentiles. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He abolished in his flesh the enmity of our carnal mind and made peace. He has redeemed both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body through the sacrifice of himself. On the cross, beloved, he has forgiven you all trespasses. And it's so remarkable he would do such a thing. When we read in this chapter of Ephesians, it talks about how all the descendants of Adam are children of wrath. Don't misunderstand that. That is not talking about God. That is talking about the enemies he saves. Hold a fist to his face and say, No, we are all by nature enemies of God. But by God's undeserved grace, <laughs> he shows that although in our experience we thought our doom was sure, he, he makes us to know, No, beloved, I have always loved thee <laughs> with an everlasting love. When our God and Savior sets his love and affection on the objects of his affection, he always does good to those he loves. <laughs> He's not a God of variation. He's a God that does not change. And if you look with me over in Malachi, I think I said that right. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Speaking of God's elect, both Jew and Gentile, our Lord declares his steadfastness. He declares, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Turn over with me to Colossians chapter 2. I'll just pick up where I left off. I was just talking about this gospel that we have received a full and complete pardon for all our sins. Not just past sins, present sins, right now where you sit. Our God is holy, holy, holy. He requires perfection of us. And, and future sins. We, we don't glory in any sin. We're ashamed of our sin. We, were, we have contrition of our sin. We, we hate our sin. But the gospel is that he has forgiven us all our sins. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 we read. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Remember, beloved, you were without Christ, lost and without hope in the world. But now, to you who believe, <laughs> you are in Christ Jesus. You have been made nigh by his precious blood. Ye are washed ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We've looked at two things already that 
Paul instructs us, the Holy Spirit's servant, to remember. Remember you were without Christ. Remember ye are now in Christ. And lastly, to remember, beloved, Christ reconciled us unto God. Verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 2, we'll pick up there. that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. He has reconciled those who pretended, after a religious fashion, to be righteous, and those who were openly wicked. I can remember hearing someone tell me about the gospel years ago and I thought it was foolishness I'm a good person I help little old ladies across the street I'm really not that bad praise the Lord he didn't leave me to myself his people chosen people Jews and Gentiles from every nation have been reconciled unto God by the sacrifice of his cross He hath made both Jew and Gentile to see in the light of His grace the exceeding sinfulness of their sin and at the same time the exceeding riches of His grace. Verse 18 we read, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. There is not, as far as I can remember, a verse in the Bible so short as this where the three glorious persons of the Godhead are so sweetly joined together. Just look at it here again. For through Him, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we both have access by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that He sent that proceeds from the Father. He said, I will send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, and He will testify of me. And that testimony of the Spirit, we learn that we have been made one with the Son of God. This blessed mystery that we can't explain, but it's true, beloved. He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through our union with Him. And I've heard uh, theological language talk about passive uh, obedience and active obedience. I, I just want to tell you, beloved, don't, don't get too discouraged by that. He's, he's our everything. <laughs> he's all of our obedience passive or, or, or active. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, through Him, we have both access by one Spirit under the Father. This shows the constant access that we have, beloved, to the throne of grace. In and through Christ we are reconciled, and we are not enemies, but He calls us His friends. When God the Spirit leads and directs our heart into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Through Christ we have access by one Spirit unto the Father. And now today, the Church of God is one in prayer with Jew and Gentile. We come to God by the same mediator, helped by the same Spirit, and receive answers of peace and comfort from the same Father. Turn with me to Romans. Keep your place in Ephesians. Romans chapter 8. pick up in verse 16 
the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations for the manifestation of the sons of God. When we are bought with the same price, quickened by the same life, and are on the way to the same heaven, we are no more strangers but fellow fellow citizens, beloved. Fellow citizens. We are no longer aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, nor strangers from the covenants of promise. God has, through the gospel of our salvation, given us a lively hope and formed Christ in us. In verse 20, we read, And are built up, or built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. God's people are the temple of the living God. To you who believe on Christ, ye are the temple of the living God, and God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. To you who now believe on Christ, Remember you were once ruined. You were once without Christ, dead in trespasses and sins. Remember, beloved, you are now redeemed. But now in Christ Jesus you are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And remember, beloved, you are reconciled. Christ hath reconciled both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross, has and has through the sacrifice of himself purged all our sins. God now dwells in all believers, having become the temple of God through the operations of the blessed Spirit, Christ dwelling in them now by his Spirit, in an earnest of their dwelling together and enjoying the abiding physical presence of Christ to all eternity. I trust that God has been pleased to cause his people to trust on Christ after hearing the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. I... uh, I often think about what it will be like to be in glory, to be in his presence. And I know every believer here with me can can identify with this hope. When we meet someone, whether it be a, a friend or an acquaintance or a co-worker, family, we all want them to hear our Lord, do we not? But it's such a a marvel for me, the, the unbelief that's in in man by nature. They actually think that when they're in glory, they'll be able to look at each other and rattle off reasons why they're there. You know, that 
whatever religion it is, I won't get into the details of it, but beloved, what a thing to be in the presence of our Lord and Savior, to look to your left and look to your right. And if you were to ask any one of them there, why are you here? <laughs> I'm here by God's undeserved grace for a reason I do not know. All I know is that it's for his good pleasure. He has told me from the beginning, from Old Testament to the New Testament, this is his glory, beloved. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. There'll be no glory for man in heaven. All the glory and all the honor will be for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our sovereign, successful Savior. He will not fail to save any of those who put all their trust in his doing and dying as our surety, as our substitute before our holy God. Amen.